You're listening to the B2B Content Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Thudia. On this show, we cover everything B2B content marketing. Tune into short and digestible podcast episodes on topics like B2B content strategy, content case studies, content tips, and more. Welcome back to another B2B Content Corner podcast episode. I'm your host, Megan Thudium, and I'm happy to have you here today because we're going to be diving into a really insightful topic on organic SEO and also looking into some B2B marketing trends from this last year. And I have a special guest on the podcast today, Alex. He will be joining us to talk all about the stats insight from the B2B Marketing Trends Report and also from his own experience on how to work with organic SEO and get the best results for your B2B company. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm looking forward to talking. Yeah, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. I'm super stoked about it. Why don't we just start off? And actually, I would like to have you introduce yourself because you are the expert on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. Um, I am Alex Price. I'm the founder of uh, a digital agency based here in London. Uh, we've got kind of two sides of the agency, one where we do a lot of design and development work, UX work. Uh, we're a WordPress VIP partner. Um, called 93 Digital and then we've got 93X which is our digital marketing team uh, where we deliver SEO and uh, some paid channel work as well. Across both sides of the business we specialize in the B2B side of things Um, so across B2B solutions and services but with a particular focus on B2B tech, software, SaaS clients as kind of our main main niche and so we also run a community for B2B tech marketers called Finite and Finite's our community where marketers globally come together to connect and share and learn and grow um, and so we run all kinds of webinars and slack community and and um, the the trends report that we're, we're going to be talking through is one of those things that we produced um in the last well actually just before christmas we we, we produced the report surveying our finite community um asking them about trends and challenges and other things and um hopefully pulled together some some fairly interesting insights oh yes i it's going to be a great episode diving into that report really quick you are definitely the expert. I'm very excited to have you here on the podcast. I'm talking everything about B2B content marketing with your expertise, not only from your experience, but also from your agency and also this report in your community. So thank you for being here. Uh, so let's dive into this report. Let's do it. Yeah. So the re- your brand recently launched the report and it's through your community, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So we we use the finite community. Uh, we've got we've got about I think coming up to close to two thousand or so actual kind of signed up members in the community. They are all client side, in house, brand side marketers within B two B tech companies. So everything from I don't know ten person kind of startup through to Adobe's and IBM's and SAP's and like massive enterprise technology businesses and and kind of everything in between. And so you know the personas are such a um, you know, marketing managers, CMOs, VP marketing, um, and then we've obviously got some more specialist roles too. So we've got some content marketers and some SEOs and paid specialists. And um, so yeah, it's a, it's a diverse community spanning B2B marketing. And um, we thought, you know, it's been a an interesting year to say the least. And why not wrap up 2020 and go into 2021 with uh, a chance to take stock, see how the year's gone, and really just kind of touch base with the with the community and see see whether things were looking positive or, or negative overall for, for B2B marketers generally, 
um, and try and dig into you know, some of the shifts that have happened around focus on particular channels and things since COVID first struck. And obviously, there's there's definitely been some changes. I should say that obviously B2B tech as a kind of category is relatively broad still. So that you know, there's everything from event tech to HR tech to fintech to you know, basically pick a word and put it in front of tech. Um, so it's pretty diverse. And so obviously, within certain categories, I think that you know some some businesses have done really well and, and not really been impacted by COVID and, and others have uh, been been more so. So that was one side of things. But obviously, we you know, we dug into far more than just COVID. I think we've all done enough, uh, enough talking about COVID over the last however, however long it's been. So uh, there's, there's plenty of insights that are not COVID specific too. No, definitely. Um, I agree with your points. I read through the report and I think it's a great digest of expertise. You have a lot of expertise in that community that you're able to pull from. So I was excited to see that diversity um, across the space with different titles and backgrounds. Um, and then also, of course, with the different insights, not just COVID related. <laughs> so we've seen plenty of stats on that. So go ahead and read the report if you have chance. I just wanted to quickly pull out three stats that I actually really enjoyed when I read through the report and just named them to our audience. So the first one was 75% of B2B tech companies have been able to meet or outperform their marketing targets in 2020. So that kind of adds to the diversity, right, that you're pulling from all the B2B tech space and the software space. We've seen a lot of growth, even despite the pandemic happening this last year. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this was a really nice one to kick the report off with. It was, I guess, reassuringly positive and optimistic in outlook. So it was nice to see, um, you know, it will be interesting. And we plan to run this kind of basically every year, I think, and, and ask some of the same questions again and again, and then try and kind of benchmark. But um, I suspect that even in a non-COVID year, you know, having 25% of companies not meeting their their marketing targets, probably f- relatively normal. I would have thought. So, you know, considering this is a year where the world has been in a in a very strange place, to still have the re- the other 75% either doing as they'd expected or um, even outperforming their targets, I think was uh, was nice to see. Yeah, for sure, that positivity was definitely there when I read it also, um, knowing that we're still growing, we're still expanding despite such a difficult year. So that was great to see. Uh, the next stat was that really like stood out to me that I loved was the 37% of B2B tech marketers reallocated their 2020 face-to-face marketing budget to digital channels instead. And I thought this was interesting um, on probably a couple different fronts is one, it's something that I've heard from my own community of, except especially in B2B industries is the moving so much focus in the trade shows and the, and the in-person events, and then moving that to digital channels, um, overnight for, except especially for us, because we work with a lot of those more traditional, um, companies. So yeah, anything to add to this, um, that I thought this was particularly interesting for sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of as expected. I mean, um, this, you know, there was a few different questions that we asked and we were trying to get a sense of, you know, have you just hung on to the money? So like you know, 28% or so, I think said, you know, we, we we haven't spent um, our field marketing budgets or, or budgets that would have gone into face-to-face and event type stuff. Obviously in the B2B world, conferences and um, you know, that general face-to-face activity is quite a big pipeline builder, particularly in the more enterprise space um so we just wanted to get a sense of, of where the budget's gone really so it was a it was an even split in some respects um and obviously a lot of invested more in, in virtual events but it was interesting to see that the majority at least although it's a small majority 
um, had kind of reallocated towards uh, digital channels overall. Yeah, so it's also interesting that it's only 37%. I honestly thought it would have been a little bit more. Yeah, so I think 29% said uh, they hadn't spent it at all. Um, 25% said they'd increased their investment in virtual events. So I guess to some extent, um, digital channels and virtual events are kind of all under the digital mm. umbrella to some extent, if you, if you wanted to put them there. So um, you could argue that the, the number in reality is is higher, but um, yeah, more or less as I as I expected. Yes, and we're still working through that transition. It's still, yeah. still coming, <laughs> still a work in progress. The last stat that I liked from the report I want to pull out is 39% of B2B tech marketers felt that B2B SEO had increased in importance over the pandemic. Uh, anything that you would like to add to this? I thought this was very interesting. Also, another point that I have heard from my own community. Yeah, so we asked the question, which marketing channels have grown in importance the most since COVID struck? Um, obviously, the, the winner was webinars. If you want to, you know, you could argue that webinars isn't necessarily a channel. I guess it is a channel, um, but that was kind of the maybe the obvious one. And next on the list was SEO. I think we just saw so many um, companies across the size um, spectrums. You know, we, we have some members that are some, I mentioned earlier, some pretty large enterprises really kind of looking at SEO almost for the first time like they haven't had to they haven't had to rely on it too heavily in the past um that they're, they're kind of at a size and scale where brand carries them through some of these things and um but you know we, we asked about email marketing and PPC and LinkedIn ads and all the, you know a lot of the different channels and um yeah SEO was the after webinars the one that most marketers said they were were investing more in um I think obviously we're going to talk a bit more about SEO as a as a stat um or as a category and, and kind of why the why, why more B2B companies are investing there. I think another stat, which isn't from our report, but one that um, I think with Google, which is a, a kind of research team within Google, um, uh, published a few years ago now, was that 71% of B2B researchers start their research with a generic search, so a, a non-branded search. I think often there's a stereotype in B2B that, you know, well, that there was a few years ago that SEO wasn't really how B2B buyers, particularly in the more enterprise end of the spectrum, begin their, their purchase journey. Uh, but I think that's been changing and, and yeah. in the last year or so it's changed. For I hope so, right? Because, I mean, I think the reality of B2B is people think that um, they're not human. We're changing that, right? They are still humans. They are still making human interactions on, on the web and Google. They're searching for their problems, their challenges. This um, user intent base of SEO approach, it works. So, yeah, I think SEO was the was the winner, and um, I think a, a lot of scope for for B two B companies to to be investing there. It's obviously not a channel that delivers overnight success, and one that has to be worked on for a while. But I think the the resounding takeaway for me was that a lot of CMOs that I was speaking to wished they'd been investing more in SEO, you know, six months before, and and we're starting to see some mm -hmm. of the some of that compounding uh, compounding growth effect. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and that's really interesting because SEO, of course, is a long-term game. It makes sense that I guess they went after this during the pandemic because um, they lost all those other channels and those opportunities. They decided to switch focus almost and invest in the longer um, goal. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think across the, the landscape, we saw marketers having to become closer to customers, closer to sales, thinking more about personalization digging more into their crm and you know everything's become i think these are all trends that were happening 
anyway, right? I don't think any of these things yeah. are necessarily new. They would, they've just been, you know, we're maybe, they've happened in, what, a year instead of five to six years or something um, yeah. in, in most instances. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a, a long-term growth driver. You know, there's a lot of tools out there that particularly we use as an agency where we can try and forecast, you know, if you ranked in, you know, on page one for these, I don't know, 50 different keywords, this is how much traffic you could you could bring in and and if uh, if x percent of that traffic converts organically um and x percent become marketing qualified leads and sales accepted or however you do your, your lead qualification you, know, you can quite easily begin to build a business case and a case for roi for for investing in search but yeah. it's a long-term thing and i think the challenge is that uh, i can't remember the stat but it's it's out there somewhere that the average tenure of a, a cmo i think is like in the two to three year range um and it's tough, particularly in the tech space where a lot of companies are private equity backed or VC backed. There's there's tough targets to hit and everyone wants results and everyone wants numbers. And um, in a similar way to kind of some brand building exercises, SEO, I think, can sometimes be seen as taking a bit too long. And so let's invest in loads of paid ads instead and just accept a yeah. higher spend, higher cost per lead or whatever you measure. But uh, at least we get some results next month instead of in six months but I think that's when we have to think a bit differently about organic search and how it can build a brand and drive awareness and educate in a way that PPC ads you know I don't think ever will be able to do. Yes definitely I don't know about you but I am actually very excited about this slight mental shift and um, seeing this shift in digital marketing and that SEO and organic strategies are becoming a little bit more front front and center. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's a shame to some extent that it's taken a global pandemic for, for some of the realization yeah. to happen, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to see it happening. Well, for the end of our podcast episode, let's kind of um, switch over to organic SEO because I know that you are particularly an expert in here. So I want to pull that um, insight and expertise from your background for our podcast listeners. So we just, of course, we're talking about organic SEO and how that's an important thing coming up in your report. But let's just dive into this topic of organic SEO a little bit more from your perspective as an expert. Why do you think this is more important? going into the future yeah i think that you know as we've just talked about the investment in digital channels generally is is the focus i think in some legacy companies marketing and digital marketing are two separate things but i think that's very rarely the case now uh yeah people are becoming much more aware and and savvy in particular as i think to some extent it's a it's a bit of a generational shift of some younger marketers mm. rising up the ranks and taking leadership positions in businesses, particularly in the tech SaaS software space, which I think is always going to lead the trends in, in the B2B space. Um, they're, they're the, the most kind of fast growing, innovative businesses overall. And so marketers within tech companies, I think, can really um, lead the way in, in B2B marketing overall. Um, but I think with, you know, as we've talked about events, conferences, other things being uh, on pause, um, marketers assuming they've still got budget and it hasn't been taken away from them or put on pause are thinking well where do we invest what do we do um and uh, that kind of compounding with people being forced to take a little bit more of a long-term view as we've just talked about i think it's kind of created the the perfect storm for, for organic search overall um and i think you know once you start investing in it and you start to see some benefits from it i think most companies just begin to really double down on it um i think we, we quite interestingly see when we compare 
kind of the quality of leads and conversions that come in between PPC, so paid ads and and organic search and kind of organic rankings at the top of Google, we can literally have a client with a paid ad at the top and then an organic number one position underneath. So they're, they're basically owning the top of Google once in a paid form and once in an organic form. Um, and the quality of the leads that we get and the average deal sizes or again, whatever the metrics are, are higher through organic search. So, you know, we, we put two search results next to each other. One happens to be paid, one's organic, but the organic one just performs better. So I think there's a, my belief and the reason for that is that organic search uh, is more trusted, it's more authoritative. Um, when you think about a paid ad, I think a lot of people, particularly again, younger, more savvy buyers know that the company's paying to be there. There can sometimes be a skepticism around paid uh, paid rankings that forces people to jump past them and scroll past them and move on to the organic ones. And so, um, yeah, the, the numbers often speak for themselves when it comes to the, the results that SEO can deliver. Oh, that's interesting that you added that at the beginning that you're seeing with younger generations, younger people in the market find organic uh, search results more authentic, more trustworthy. Yeah, and I think that's what search comes down to really, and particularly again in the B2B tech space where often a lot of our clients are in quite innovative spaces. They're almost defining new categories in some instances. They're um, you know, cutting edge fintechs trying to persuade you know, big financial institutions to choose their solution. Like trust is fundamental in that kind of B2B purchase decision. And, and I think SEO can play a role in that when you're really following that kind of inbound methodology. You're you're helping answer users' intent. You're helping them answer their questions. You're you're educating them. You're helping them be better at their jobs. You're helping them on, on every front um, if you're there for them on organic search. Um, so I think, yeah, it's... Uh, definitely a, a channel that I think we'll see more of an investment in over the years to come. Yes, um, I agree. And actually something popped in my head while you were talking is the, of course, we've seen the rise in organic SEO and the importance in the B2B tech industry over the last year. But kind of even more of a reason for people to get onto the bandwagon is it's the B2B tech space is very diverse right? I mean, we have MarTech solutions, we have very specific enterprise level solutions. So there's a lot of different niche and particular SEO organic subsets that you could really shine. And if you really probably put in the extra effort and get in there and be like an early mover, you're going to have great long-term results in organic SEO. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, that was a great point. Um, so just moving on from this great insight about organic SEO. I also wanted to ask, what are some common mistakes that you see your brands that you're working with making in organic SEO? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, the first one, maybe the most obvious one that we've touched on already is just not investing enough in it. Like you'd be amazed at how often we take the domain name of a potential client or someone that we're looking into, whether there's an opportunity for, plug it into one of our tools, go to, you know, tell us you know, where where is this site ranking on pages two, three, four, five of Google for certain keywords. And there's almost always some serious opportunities just lurking there. Um, we we regularly will just pick any website, but you know, see, see what keywords it's ranking for on just the inner pages of Google. Um, and there's always a, a great opportunity. So, so we, you know, for us, that would be a good indication that if you're ranking on page, you know, top of page three for something that's 
quite high intent and potentially quite a, a, a valuable keyword for you, then actually with some focused work, you're, you're potentially not far from getting onto page one. Um, so I think I'd encourage every B2B business to do a little bit of digging and to just do a bit of research into what, uh, I, I guess, ultimately kind of the, the pots of gold that they might be sitting on without realising. I think the other one is worth mentioning is probably just the, the approach to to content strategy and how content content for SEO and content for other kind of stages of the buyer journey, if you look at it that way, uh, may need to differ in certain, certain forms. So I think a mistake that we often see is that businesses try to create content that kind of caters to every persona and every stage of buyer journey um, and also be really good at, you know, for, from an SEO perspective. Um, and I think sometimes there's some value in kind of splitting out content that is written more from an acquisition organic SEO perspective. And that, that's not to say that it doesn't therefore have to be of a really high quality and it doesn't have to meet your brand tone of voice. And um, it's still got to be focused on answering users' intent ultimately. But I think it can get complicated when you kind of try and kill too many birds with one stone and the piece of content has to cater to, to absolutely everything. Oh yeah, definitely. We we need specific goals and buyer persona for every piece of content um, and intention for those definitely. pieces of content. It's interesting that you say this. Um, also seeing it happen in my community with prioritization. You know, where do you set your priorities when you start to put your organic SEO strategy together? Um, I see a lot of clients start at top of the funnel, the beginning of the journey, and yeah. very broad. And I think there's a lot of missed opportunity for lower the funnel, um, in more mid-journey type of keywords, longer form keywords that are really built upon that user intent, that buying perspective that you talked about. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And when we develop keywords, um, kind of research and strategies for all clients, we we split them out on a similar basis to what you've described. So there will always be those higher intent, more transactional search terms. Um, I guess those would typically be things in our space, working with B2B tech companies. Those would usually be search terms that have uh, software or product or solution or platform or something appended to the end of them. So I don't know, performance management as a search term, if that had software on the end or solution on the end or, or platform on the end, um, we would assume that that's a relatively high intent search term that's someone actively looking for a performance management software of some kind and so they might maybe lower down the funnel closer to you know, w being willing to to convert in some form uh, whereas obviously if you just type in performance management then that might be you know, anyone doing research and looking into the subject and it's that's a bit more of a, a kind of top of funnel vague more mm -hmm. educational term but there's there's as you as you point out there's merits to, to ranking well for for a mix of those terms and and we do often find that the biggest opportunities for clients are in quite niche low volume quite specific um quite specific search terms um that you know they're not not thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of um monthly searches a month it's you know three four hundred uh, volumes a month but there's a there's a lot of opportunity behind them Yes, um, we actually find the exact same thing when working with our more enterprise level um, niche specific B2B clients is these more high specific search intent keywords um, that have buyer high buyer intent. That's the word I'm looking for. So high mm -hmm. buying intent do very well in conversion opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so since... The basic concept of B2B Econa Corner podcast is to give some tips about SEO, which we've been talking about, but also what are some things that you think 
people can take away, maybe a couple takeaways on to help them move the needle forward in their own B2B company when it comes to organic SEO? Yeah, so I would say that um, you know, to, to do SEO really kind of at scale and make big steps forward, you need a certain level of specialism and uh, depth of experience. But I think any marketer can begin to to at least identify and build the case for investing in SEO, even if they don't necessarily have all of the skills and um, ability to execute on that longer term. Um, so I think, you know, we, we broadly split SEO into three major buckets. So we've got um, content, as in literally the, the words on the website, um, technical, so is the website fast and the code easy to crawl and can Google find its way around and um, those kind of more foundational elements and then offsite elements, so link building, um, the more kind of digital PR aspect of, of SEO. It's quite easy, I think, to do some top level analysis between you know, your site and a few other competitors and just get a sense of where the gaps are. I think naturally some clients have a really weak domain authority and so focusing on links and building domain authority is, is more of a focus. Others, it's just they've got a good domain authority, but they just need to produce more longer form content really driven by the data. So I think I'd encourage everyone to kind of get that initial um, sense of where the opportunity is that initial sense of direction um, there's some great tools out there i mean our main kind of platform is a tool called semrush which is a great um seo software really powerful it takes a bit of getting to getting to know before um, you can really get the most out of it but um it's a really kind of thorough thorough suite of tools um gives us a lot of intelligence about where, where opportunities are for clients but also what what competitors are doing and uh, where there are where there are gaps that we can potentially fill so um yeah that's what I'd, I'd look at I'd also say just generally like don't overcomplicate SEO like it's I think it can often be seen as a bit of a, a dark art and something that is uh, yeah complex to the point that it's not worth pursuing or investing in um, and I don't think that's the case by any means I think even just producing great quality you know, quite lengthy but valuable content that answers in users intent you can see some pretty good seo results so even if you do that and that alone um you'll be starting to move seo in the in the right direction yeah sure great points across the board uh, i also like to just say especially with the smaller companies just get started um, yeah. find a lot of smaller companies with smaller teams just lack the execution of yeah. just going in there and trying it and when in doubt ask an expert like you <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 And I can relate to that. I mean, I, I know from talking to so many um, finite members on podcasts and forums and stuff that we host that particularly, you know, even in quite big companies, B2B marketing teams can be quite small and quite isolated and um, not have a lot of resource. And you know, it makes me makes me want to cry sometimes when I see job specs, job descriptions for marketers that are kind of like entry level generalist marketing managers. And it's like yeah, everything from graphic designer to Salesforce expert to marketing automation specialist to SEO to pay to like you can't do everything and prioritization as you mentioned yeah. earlier is kind of I think the biggest challenge for for most marketers um so being being savvy about you know, where your skills lie and what you're good at and what you can what you can outsource or work with partners on I think is, is probably the, the best route to best route to go down yeah for sure I agree 100 percent now to close out our episode Alex, where can people go and find you online? Where can they connect with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So Alex Price, um, hopefully I'll, I'll pop up as 93Digital or 93X or Finite. or can't remember exactly what's on there. But um, otherwise, yeah, head over to the Finite community if you're a B2B tech marketer and want to, want to join in on the, the discussions there. Yes, 
I give a plus one to your community and I will also be adding your report to the show notes of this podcast so that anybody who's listening can have access to those stats. Perfect. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us today on the B2B Content Corner podcast. Thanks, Megan.